0: Thank you, Georgie, for sharing that wonderful thought as we came to communion this morning. God is good. Amen. He's with us all the time. So this morning, um, I want to talk on the subject of God. Is that okay? Anybody surprised by that this morning? Um, When I I was talking to Andy about the worship and he said, uh, so what are you speaking on? I said, God. Kind of looked at me a bit mm, okay not unusual but i actually want to talk very much about god this morning what is god like okay maybe an obvious thing so last week daryl spoke about his vision for this year and uh you just put the next slide up please ady he talked about the fact that he believed that this is a year for us to learn together and grow together in knowing and flowing, knowing the word and flowing in the Holy Spirit. And he quoted R.T. Kendall, and one of the things that R.T. Kendall said was that we need the word and the spirit to understand God and his ways. So this morning, we're going to learn, we're going to look at some scripture, but we need the Holy Spirit, don't we? So we're going to pray. So let's just pray. Father God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we come before you today because we want to know you more. Because our heart's desire is to know more of you, to understand you. And we need you to help us to do that. Because we cannot grasp you, we know that. But Holy Spirit, I ask today that you would come and stir in us afresh today. Revelation of who you are. That we would know you better. We would love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. So if I asked a question this morning, what is God like? Okay, what is God like to you? I wonder what words you'd use to uh, describe God. If I asked you to describe God in one word, what would that be? If I asked you to describe God in five words, which words would you choose? It's really difficult, isn't it? What is is, is God like? Well, of course, we can't really describe God because he's beyond our comprehension. We can never fully understand God. There's a song that says, you are beautiful beyond description, too marvelous for words, too wonderful for comprehension, more that like nothing ever seen or heard, who can grasp your infinite wisdom, who can fathom the depths of your love. You are beautiful beyond description, majesty enthroned above. And that just, that just encapsulates it, doesn't it? who God is, the fact that we cannot describe God, we cannot fully understand God, and yet God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, wants to be known by us. He's chosen to make himself known to us, to show us what he's like, to reveal himself through scripture. Now, we spent months leading up to Um, uh, Christmas, looking at just the Just Jesus series, which was looking at the, the names and the character of Jesus. Each title, each name given to God gives us a little bit of a glimpse into what God is like, an understanding of who he is, something true about him. And we need all of those titles, all of those descriptions, because not one word, not one phrase can totally encapsulate who God is. Now when I started preparing for this message, I was looking back through some old notes and I found a list of characteristics and names of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit that I'm, I'd had years ago and there was over 120 names and, and things on this list and I actually decided that I'm going to use this for my, stud, my, you know, my personal study this year and what I've been doing is taking one a day and I have to say it's been incredible. Just going back to who is God? What is God like? And the, I made a little bit of a word cloud, um, AD, if you could show it, of just some of those things on that list that I'm going to be looking at this year. And there's more. So God uses human concepts and human uh, terminology to help us to understand him because we are human. Is that right? We don't have, do we have any non-humans in the house this morning? No, we're all, oh, we do. Oh, well, welcome. <laughs> um, we are human, but God is far above humanity. And so those concepts, how many of them we have, can never fully describe him. Because whatever descriptor he used, it's always going to be limited by our understanding of it. For example, God is love. But our understanding of what love is, is never going to match who God is when we say God is love. So even having all these words to describe God, we can never fully grasp what he's like. But God went even further in helping us to understand him, to know him. He did the most incredible thing he could have done. He became human. He came down to our level. Joe Hargreaves describes it like this, and I love this illustration. When you want to explain a concept to a child that is beyond their understanding, what do you do? Well, you get down to their level. You, you Literally, you come down to their eye level. And then you help them to understand it in concepts that they do understand. So you'll say to them, it's like this. That's what Jesus did. He came down to our level as a human so that we could understand better to better help us understand who God is John 1 verse 18 says no one has ever seen God but the one and only son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the father has made him known so today my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will stir in us a fresh excitement about knowing God and who he is, and a desire to know him better. Because knowing him better will change everything, and it will stir us a fresh passion and love for him too. So God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now we're never gonna fully grasp the Trinity, and I am not gonna be talking about that today. But we need to remember that each person of the Trinity is fully God, and has all the characteristics of God so whatever we learn about the character of Jesus also applies to the Father and the Holy Spirit and whatever we know about the Father also applies to Jesus and the Holy Spirit you get my meaning so God is complete he is a whole being and all of those characteristics are part of all of who he is in those three persons Now, as followers of Jesus, we are called to become like him. This is part of the focus of our life groups, to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, to do what Jesus did. And as disciples, we imitate our master. So it's important that we know what he's like. So, for example, we're told to cultivate the fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They are fruits of the Holy Spirit. They are characteristics of God, which we can grow in as we allow him to work in us. They are what we call communicable attributes. So that just means that they're, they're able to be transferred from God to us. Like we've heard of communicable diseases, yes? I think we're pretty familiar with that term now. Diseases, things that can be caught from one person to another, easily passed on. Well, we can never be fully like God, but we can grow in those areas to become more like him. But there are some aspects of God's character that we cannot imitate, that cannot be transferred to us. These are incommunicable attributes. And that's what I want to focus on today. Now, there are seven that I'm going to talk about, but don't panic, okay? We're going to go through these quite briefly. First of all, God is independent and self-existent. Now, you and I are dependent on on God for everything. We're dependent on God for our very existence, our life, but also for our continuing existence. And the world itself only exists because God made it, and because he continues to hold it together. So Hebrews 1 verse 3 says that basically the, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. He holds everything together. We are completely dependent upon him, but God is dependent on nothing else. He is completely exists purely within himself. He's completely self-sufficient. He doesn't need anything. He doesn't need you, and he doesn't need me. He exists in perfect love, in unity, within the trinity. Again, I'm not going to go into any more detail on that today, but completely self-sufficient. Acts 17, verse 24 to 25 says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. God did not create humanity to satisfy a need, a lack. He, he created you and me purely out of a desire for relationship with us. That's quite incredible, isn't it? He doesn't need us. He's not, you know. He doesn't struggle with his self-esteem, and so therefore he needs us to keep telling him how wonderful he is, so he doesn't feel so bad about himself. No, he doesn't need our worship. He doesn't need our praise. He doesn't need any of it. He chose to take pleasure in me and you. He chooses to enjoy our worship and respond to our worship. He chooses to partner with us in bringing his kingdom to earth by answering our prayers. The relationship we have with him, that we enjoy with him, is because of his choice, not because of any need. That's incredible, isn't it? Secondly, God is eternal. Revelation 1 verse 8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Revelation 22:13. again, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. For anyone who may not know, Alpha and Omega are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. So, God, you know, he's saying, Jesus is saying, I am the A and the Z. He is the beginning and the end. Now, you and I, we can't get our heads around eternity, can we? I mean, the more you think about it, the more your mind kind of goes a bit bit weird. God is eternal. He has no beginning and he has no end. In fact, he is the beginning and he is the end. There was nothing before him and there'll be nothing after him. He always was and he always will be. Now you and I operate in the concept of time. God created time. Time makes our lives easier. But he isn't bound by that concept any more than he's bound by any other law of science and nature that he created. That's why we're never going to fully understand God through the laws of reason or physics, because he was the one who wrote the laws in the first place, if they're right. God is not limited by time. He is above time. Now, this is the thing that really blows your mind. He sees all of time at the same time. So in this moment now, he sees all of your past, all of your future, right now. In this moment. Now, have you ever prayed for something and then realized that in order for your prayer to be answered, God must have had to act before you prayed? Let me give you an example. So uh, a few weeks ago, Dawn Goldsmith gave a testimony on a Tuesday prayer meeting about a member of her family who desperately needed an appointment with the hospital, and they'd been told there was going to be at least a six-month waiting list. On the Monday night, in their life group, they prayed about this. On the Tuesday morning, a letter arrived with an appointment much quicker for that for that person. Now that letter wasn't sent after the prayer, was it? But because God knew in the moment, he knew the prayer before it was prayed, he could act before the prayer was even prayed. Isn't that amazing? Now the more we think about that, the more that kind of, again, sends us a little bit loopy. He knows. He He's, his time is not a limit to him. So you could be praying about a situation now, which in order for that prayer to be answered, God would have had to have done something six months ago or a year ago. But that's okay. God's not bound by time. Thirdly, God is omnipresent. Omni just means all. Present means present. God is everywhere. Jeremiah 23, verse 24, says, Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. Just as God is eternal and he's unlimited with respect to time, he's also unlimited with respect to space. He fills everything. God, and only God, is everywhere all of the time. He's not outside of space as some kind of outer space being. He's in space. He inhabits all space. But he's not contained by space. Okay? So although God is present everywhere all of the time, you and I know that he's not always present in the same way in in every place. So he acts differently in different places. So Wayne Grudem explains that most of the time when the Bible talks about God's presence, it's referring to God's presence to bless. So we know God is everywhere, but when we talk about the presence of God and wanting the presence of God in our meetings, with us, when we're out and about, we're talking about a personal presence that's different from God's general presence everywhere. Does that make sense? God chooses to be present with his people, those that have chosen to follow him in a different way to his general presence everywhere. So when we're praying for that presence of God, we're praying for the blessing of his personal presence. Isaiah 57 verse 15 says, "'For this is what the high and exalted one says, "'he who lives forever.'" whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Jesus came as Emmanuel, God with us, not only to show us what God is like, but to make a way for us to be filled with his presence. When we become followers of Jesus, we can be confident that his spirit lives in us. We have his presence in us. Whether we feel it or not, God is with us. And God doesn't divide himself up in order to be with every single one of us at the same time and every single person all, in, in, all over the, the world, every Christian, all at once. He doesn't have to do that. He is completely present with every single one of us all at once. His fullness... The fullness of his character, the fullness of his being is available to each one of us all of the time. He is present. Fourthly, God is omnipotent. That just means he is all-powerful. So if God is unlimited by time and space, it's probably not so hard to believe that he's unlimited in power. Matthew 19, verse 26 Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Jeremiah 32, 17. Our oh, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Job 42, verse 2. I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Psalm 147, 5. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit god has infinite power overall at all times eternally and in all ways complete ability belongs to him his control covers everything and everyone from the smallest to the greatest <clears throat> he created the universe with a word he holds everything together as we've already said he created the natural and scientific laws that exist. See, that's why miracles aren't a problem to God. Because if a miracle is an event that doesn't, can't be explained by natural or scientific laws, then if God actually doesn't, isn't bound by natural and scientific laws, then miracles no big deal, is it? He created them in the first place. Nothing is impossible for him. One of God's names is El Shaddai, Almighty, the most powerful one. And we read this in Genesis 17.1. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. This is perhaps an aspect of God's character that we can struggle with at times because if God is all-powerful, then why does he allow earthquakes and other natural disasters why doesn't he heal every disease why doesn't he stop persecution well hopefully from what I have said so far we all understand that we're never going to understand God he is far above our understanding we do know that because of sin the world is broken and only when Jesus comes again will things be put right and God has given mankind free choice So we can choose to reject him, and that rejection brings consequences. But we can be confident because of the next two characteristics. So number five, God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. Just think for a minute what it would be like if we had a God that was all-powerful, but not all-knowing. So God could do anything, but he didn't know everything. So I could pray for something, and God could answer my prayer, but in answering my prayer, it could make your life miserable. But God is all-powerful and all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows the number of stars in the sky, the number of grains of sand on the seashore. He knows everything about me and you, even the stuff we don't know. And he knows the consequences of actions in advance. He knows how to fulfill his purposes for our lives. He knows everything that we need. Romans 11, 33 to 35 says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? He knows everything completely and he always has. He never had to learn anything. He's always known everything. He knew everything about me and you before we were even born. Psalm 139, we know so well. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. He is all-powerful and all-knowing. So when we don't understand what is going on, we can be confident that he does. And we can have confidence that when we pray, he knows what is best. And number six, God is unchanging. Malachi 3, verse 6, very short verse. I, the Lord, do not change. James 1, verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Now, if I asked you to describe yourself or maybe the describe the person sitting next to you. I'm sure that you would have a range of words and phrases that you might use. But if you're anything like me, you'll probably exhibit different characteristics at different times. So I would guess that, like me, you can all be kind and compassionate and loving. But I guess that also, like me, you can be impatient and cross and unkind. True? (coughs) No, it's just me then, is it? Okay. Our moods change. Our behavior changes, but God never changes. So every characteristic about him is always true all of the time. He doesn't have a bad day when he no longer feels like talking to you or listening to you. Plus, all of those characteristics of God, because they are always true all of the time, they are not incompatible. They work together. So, for example, God is love and God is just. He is always love and he is always just. So, whatever he acts, those two characteristics must always be true. They are not incompatible. Now, there are some passages in the Bible where it seems that God changes his mind. Now, God is unchanging, but. He responds to the prayers of his people or acts differently according to changing circumstances. So he responds according to the unchanging nature of his character and his purposes. He does not change, but he will act differently in different circumstances. He responds to changing circumstances, but his purposes, his nature never change. Isn't that an encouragement to us? That God doesn't change towards us, doesn't change his mind about us. He always loves us. He's always good. He's always faithful. He's always just. He never changes. Finally, God is sovereign. He is the Most High King, the Supreme Ruler. 1 Timothy 6, verse 15 to 16. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Psalm 47 two: For the Lord most high is awesome, the great king over all the earth. There are no limits to God's rule. He is the supreme ruler over everything everything that exists is under his rule and his authority he doesn't answer to anyone he doesn't have to justify his actions he doesn't have to act in any way he doesn't want to he's in charge he has the power and authority to do whatever he wishes anything he chooses within his creation But whether or not he actually exerts that level of control in any given circumstance is a completely different question. As I said before, he's given us free will. We have choices. He has chosen to allow us to make mistakes, but he is still in control. And he works even through those mistakes to fulfill his good purposes. We can see that it even works through the evil actions of people when we, just, we look at the crucifixion. Jesus was crucified, but God's plan was fulfilled through that. Satan has power, but it is limited, limited by God. God is still all-powerful and sovereign over all. He is still ultimately in control. So, I hope you're excited by some of this, because it really stirs me up when I'm, when I'm talking about it and studying it. Our God is the self-existent, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, eternal, unchanging, supreme ruler over all. Do we know him? Because knowing him changes everything. See, we teach our children not to trust strangers. Why? Because we don't know them. If it was somebody you knew, and you knew they were trustworthy, you would let your child go with them. But you don't let them go with somebody you don't know. Knowing God better enables us to trust him. It increases our faith. Also, knowing him will will change the way that we look at our circumstances. If something difficult happens to me, I can face that through the lens of my understanding of God. He's good. He loves me. He's faithful. He's in control. He's all-powerful. Nothing is too difficult for him. He is unchanging. He knows everything. God, knowing God, enables me to trust him in the midst of my circumstances. God doesn't have to explain himself to me. He doesn't have to do anything for me. But he chooses to love me, to be good to me to listen to me, to draw near to me. Isn't that incredible? God chooses you, the all-powerful one, the eternal one, the one that doesn't have to answer to anybody or anything, the one that didn't have to make you, he didn't have to create you, chose you, and he knows everything about you. He's always known everything about you. past your present your future it's amazing isn't it we're never going to get our heads around it let's be honest but the Holy Spirit can help us to grasp these truths now we've looked briefly at just seven attributes of God today and it's been a brief look and I hope this has stirred you to want to know more Now, what I've thought might be a good idea, because as I said, what I've been doing is just spending time studying the attributes of God. And so what I've done is I've actually just put the seven ones we've talked about today on a little card. And with some scripture readings, the ones I've used and a few extra. And I've just got a few of these here today for anybody who wants to take them away. And you might want to do one a day over the next seven days. And just read and meditate on those characteristics of God. You know, there's nothing more important than knowing God. But how important is it to us to know him? Because I hope that today, I mean, as I've been studying for this, I've realized just how important it is that I know who he is and what a difference that makes. Philippians 3 verse 8 in the Amplified Version talks about knowing God. Yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him of perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more fully and clearly. For his sake, I have lost everything and consider it all to be mere rubbish, refuse dregs, in order that I may win, gain Christ, the anointed one. How important is it to us to know God, to know Jesus, to know the Holy Spirit, Compared to everything else, can we say everything else is rubbish? Compared to that? Compared to the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage of knowing Jesus? He didn't have to make himself known to us. He didn't even have to create us. But he has chosen to. And he's chosen to be known by us. It's a privilege. A priceless privilege to know him. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, oh, we confess that we can't get our heads around you, and we never will. But we want to thank you that you have chosen to reveal yourself to us, that God the Father chose to reveal himself through Jesus the Son. The Holy Spirit, you choose to come and reveal Jesus and the Father to us. That, God, that you want a relationship with us, not because you need it, but because you choose it. That, God, you've chosen us, that we may know you. It's a privilege. God, we cannot understand why you would ever want that when you have everything you need within yourself. Oh, Jesus, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord. What else can we say? Thank you that you've given us this opportunity to know you. Lord, we don't want to take it lightly. Lord Jesus, I pray, will you stir in our hearts a desire to know you more, to read your word to allow you, Holy Spirit, to come and reveal Jesus to us, that we would understand and know you better. Because, God, we want to to look at ourselves differently. We want to look at our circumstances differently. We want our prayer life to be changed, our worship to be changed. Lord, we want everything to be changed. Our relationship with you will be transformed as we know you more. We want to love you more. So, Lord, we just ask you to help us to grow in our knowledge of you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. Thank you for this privilege. We worship you now. In Jesus' name.